You're listening to WALT. Homegrown. Homemade radio. You're listening to Fisher Family Ghosts. A Six Feet Under companion podcast. I'm Sam Dingman. I'm Adrian Bain. Adrian has an announcement oh to make. God. It's it's big in our household. It's not big in anybody else's. But big big news in my world is that um I got a haircut, which in COVID times is like going to the fucking moon. And <laughs> can I just say, <laughs> says the woman who, along with me, just went to Arizona. <laughs> no, but like going, it's the whole like spending time indoors, you know. Mm-hmm. There's no ventilation. Totally. We were both masked. Yeah. And you're not, you can't really get a socially distanced haircut. No, no. <laughs> You'd have to have like very long spaghetti arms in order to do that. I just imagined whatever the selfie stick equivalent of scissors is. That's really funny. And low key, there could have been a market for that like this time last year. I think you missed, I think you missed your opportunity. Yeah. yeah. It would have been a quick bubble too, because I think people would have gotten. Anyways. I got a haircut and I feel really good because I was a giant split end. And the moment I walked outside, I got hit on by honestly Nikolai because he was very Russian and like in a big van. And he was like, I was staring all I wanted. I had had such a crazy day and I biked to Prospect Park. It was only like 10 minutes, but biking down Fifth Avenue is like fucking insane. So... I'm like rushing. My meeting had gone late. I like didn't want to miss this appointment because I had already rescheduled it. And I was like, I just really want this like moment of calm. And I also realized that I get a little tense in salons because I feel like I always need to be talking to the person. Mm. And like I need to be I need to make them feel like I'm really interested in your life. And like I know so much about Lana now who I feel that way about the dentist office. That's a lot harder to talk through, though. It is. So I was just a little Hence the stress Hence the stress. My dentist like kind of rants about <laughs> democracy to me and I like cannot respond because her hands are in- deep inside of my mouth. I need a rantier dentist. You should go to my dentist. It's right in the corner. Anyways, the moment I walk outside, I'm like feeling so good, like in that way that oh, I just got a little pampered and there was no one else in the studio. So like it was just the Lana, hair studio, the hair studio. So it was just Lana and I. So it felt very nice and intimate and she was very nice. And we talked about her life in like Eastern Russia before the fall of the Soviet Union and where to get really good Russian food in Bay Ridge. And so I walk out and I'm like feeling great, but I still have a lot of work to do. And I had parked my bike right in front of this flower shop and it was so beautiful. It was just like this gorgeous like display and it's it's almost May and all the flowers are coming out. And then I get, and then I just hear a, you're very beautiful, you know, like <laughs> from behind me. And I just see this guy sitting in a van and he's like, your eyes are like a, are like a husky. And I was like, oh my God, honestly, I'm going to give Lana the best review because I got catcalled immediately after I left her hair salon. He's like, your hair is gorgeous. Do not put it up under the helmet. And I'm like, oh my God, Nikolai, calm down. Also, it was literally outside of flower shop. I know. I Wait, guess that does tie into six feet under because this felt a little indulgent. Tell the today. thing. Tell the thing about how he asked if you had a friend. 
oh he's like do you have he's like do you want a friend i was like no i'm good i have a friend and he was like your eyes are beautiful like my future wife's and i was like oh my which god is, that's a nikolai line that is such a nikolai line not just the your eyes are beautiful but also the i'm bet i am better than your boyfriend oh no Who absolutely is this man you he are? like didn't take it as a no and it was a little bit of that i did see a little bit of that like uptight like who is this guy? And so then he like leans over in his van and is like trying to hand me his card. And I just put my helmet on. and I like escape as quickly as possible. <laughs> this is also making me realize that probably the character I relate to second most, because a couple episodes ago I was talking about how I think I'm a Keith, um, which felt very self-aggrandizing. So I'd now like to knock myself down a couple of pegs by saying, honestly, I think after Keith, the character I'd probably relate to the most is Hiram. <laughs> <laughs> Since I'm the Hiram in this story. Oh, that's, I, there's nothing wrong about Hiram though. Like he's, other than the fact that he like willingly had an affair with a married woman, but like. Right, that part's not so good. You know, that's not so good. But I, I don't know. I didn't hate Hiram, but I did think he was kind of bland. Mm -hmm. And I do like that Ruth kind of woke up post Nate Senior's death. And was like, I need a little bit more spice in my life. I need more. She realized that the only thing Hiram knows how to spice is chicken. <laughs> Your smug face right now is like... I'm, I'm waiting on the response that that joke deserves. It's good. It's a good joke. I'll be waiting for a while. <laughs> it's a good joke. It's very sweet. But I will say, I think it's really funny that you have identified your, like yourself in different characters because... We've been getting a lot of emails, which is super exciting when we want to hear more. And so many people are like, I'm definitely a David, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or like I have mad Claire energy, you yes. know, and I just yes. love it. And yes. I would actually really just love to hear what people like, who do people identify with? Yes. And I would like to issue a challenge. If you're Ooh. going to write in and say who you identify with, which you can do Please. at FFG at WALT dot FM. If you want to say that you identify most strongly with a member of the biological Fisher family, please feel free to do so. But if you're going to do that, the challenge I would like to issue is that you then have to also pick a non-Fisher biological family character who you feel some connection with. Interesting. So I'm like a Claire son, Brenda Rising. Yes. I'm, I'm a Keith with a Hiram wing. Great. Speaking of emails, we have just a few to share with you this week before we get to the main event. By the way, this is a guest-free episode. We were very grateful to have Ramoy on the program last week. But this week, and we will have more guests in the future, but this week, because... Just the two of us. There we go. We can... Sorry. Boom, boom, boom. I don't know what that was. Um, I don't know either. <laughs> Uh, we did a good improvised song a couple episodes ago. What? I have no memory of this. Really? Yeah. We did an improvised song about getting emails from listeners. I'll make it your ringtone when you're not looking. It's fine. <laughs> That's Kay. fine. Um, first email this week comes to us from Sarah. Thank you for writing, Sarah. Sarah says, Adrian and Sam, I just wanted to say thank you for the pod, Sarah. You are welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Thank you. It keeps me company as I make tea and breakfast in the mornings. Uh, That's literally... That is so darling. The 
greatest compliment. I'm not being cheeky. That's that's literally the greatest compliment that's I feel so like a podcaster sweet. can ever receive is that yeah. somebody wants you with them mm-hmm. in their leisure tender moments. Really, that I, is delightful. I I often say this. I'm a broken record, and Adrian's going to roll her eyes. But my favorite thing about podcasting, and this is not an original point, is that more so than any other medium. It doesn't command your attention, it shares your attention. Unlike a book where you have to be sitting with the book and reading, unlike a TV show or a movie where you have to be sitting in a place looking at a screen, a podcast is just with you while you go about your life and it shares the attention that you're giving to other things, but you also share your attention with it. I just think it's the best. And I just, when people give that time to you, there is no greater gift. I think what you just said was beautiful and I didn't roll my eyes. I do think it mildly disincentivizes people to watch Six Feet Under. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Uh, I'm just kidding. It's like, we want you to keep watching. Keep watching. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Sarah says, Sarah continues, I haven't actually ever seen Six Feet Under, but I really enjoy hearing y'all discuss it for some reason. Well, that oh is cool. That's higher compliment. That is very cool. Um... I will say our opinions about the show are obviously not definitive, but I kind of like the idea that you are seeing an imagined show in your head that follows the contours of the conversations we have. I would love Sarah to write out what she thinks each episode is about just based on our descriptions. Because we definitely leave stuff out. You know, we can't get to everything. Absolutely. And also, I mean, this makes me think of one of my favorite things to do is listen to baseball podcasts about, yes, I own it. Um, uh, And one of the things that happens on baseball podcasts is they talk about games that you didn't watch be played. Mm. And so Mm. you kind of imagine them playing out with heroes and villains and highs and lows based on the way the hosts describe it. And it's a very pleasurable experience. And I'm glad that uh, our little show creates some of that for Sarah. She says, also, I'm a longtime Family Ghost fan. Thank you, Sarah. That means very much to me. And she says, I just started listening to your travel podcast, Adrian. And Ah. I find it so cool and inspiring. Before the pandemic, vagabonding was a really big part of my life. I'd Ah. hop on a Greyhound bus with my rucksack and not much of a plan, stealth camp or stay in hostels. Basically, just eat peanut butter and meet fantastic strangers. I miss it. Sarah, we literally have the same experience because I also mainly eat peanuts as <laughs> a form of sustenance when I'm on the road. She says, thank you for, thank you for keeping me connected to my hobo self. Oh, Sarah. Sarah, I hope very much that as soon as you are able to responsibly vagabond, you are able to get right back to it. Mm-hmm. And that while you do it, our show remains a good road companion for you. Thank you very much for writing and for listening. Thanks, Sarah. Next up in the email hit parade, it is one of our email MVPs, Tracy. Yes, Tracy. What's up? Tracy, I apologize. I'm I'm realizing right now that I'm reading this somewhat after you sent it. So um, apologies for missing it initially. This is in reference to the conversation we had about Gabe and Claire's green shirts, Adrian. Do you remember this? We talked about how um, at the conclusion of the episode where they had the funeral for the little boy, 
there was this scene with Claire and Gabe downstairs. And that's where he took the embalming. Yes. Yeah. And he says to her, I'm not your pet. And we talked about how they're wearing green shirts and the greens are slightly different colors and how they think they recognize the same color in each other, but actually they're a little bit off from each other. That's what we talked about. But what Tracy wants to add. What is her analysis? Tracy says, what if the matching green shirts were for the sexual aspect that we saw throughout the rest of the show? Everybody knows that green equals horny. What? The green M&Ms. Everybody makes fun of the green ones being an aphrodisiac. Tracy, this is spot on. Wait, 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 wait. And you have just brought back, I think Tracy and I might be similar in age. Tracy, you just brought back so many embarrassing moments at the seventh grade lunch table where people would get a little bag of M&Ms and you would open them up and somebody would sneak a green one into the pile that they shared with you. And then when you ate a green M&M, they would suddenly turn on you and be like, how you doing, Sam? Are you horny or something? God, you're such a perv. I'm like, I'm just eating chocolate, man. What are you talking about? Was this not a thing at your- I have never heard this before. In your middle school? No. Oh my God. Horny green M&Ms? What is this talk? It was, I don't know. It was like, the idea was like, Oh, the green M&Ms are an aphrodisiac, and if you eat them, is you're going to want to have sex with everybody. Is it? I've literally never heard that before. What? And is that just because the green M&M is like that feisty little lady in heels? You know, I never made that connection before. That's probably wow. why. we're both growing today. <laughs> I always understood, all I know, associate with green is that it's a peace color in Morocco. That's all I know. Hmm. Wait, that's so, but that would, Wow. Well, that's hilarious. Uh, Tracy, Tracy, thank you. You've just helped me um, recall some mortifying moments and mm-hmm. by way of Adrian, make a new connection. I n- it never occurred to me that the reason people said the green M&Ms made you horny was because of the alluring yeah, lady M&M in high heels. Sexualized. Finally, we have an email from fellow email all-star Leslie. Mm. Leslie writes, I just now remembered something I forgot to mention the first time I wrote in. In the first episode, in the scene where we first see Billy, he comes into the kitchen sobbing, gets something from the fridge and leaves. I didn't realize he was Brenda's brother. I thought he was her husband and that she was having an affair with Nate. I thought this for the first few episodes until Nate comes over and Billy comes out having just showered at Brenda's place and introduces himself as her brother. As soon as he said that, I started liking Brenda more and now she's one of my favorite characters. That's fascinating but i think that really points to that whether it was intentionally written or not the way that those two actors interact with each other there is this strange like emmanuel said weird sexual tension or like sexual energy coming from billy and that the lines between those two are incredibly staticky yeah I mean, Leslie's email made me want to wonder whether it was intentional, and if this is true, right out of the gate we're being introduced to Brenda as somebody with murky sexual boundaries. Mm. That's a fascinating idea. Let's just decide that it was intentional. Okay. Let's plant that intention in the minds of, or mind of Alan Ball, Mm. creator and showrunner of Six Feet Under, the HBO television program, which we are about to watch. Yes. Thank you to everybody who wrote in, as Thank always. You, you can reach us at FFG at WALT.FM. This week, we are watching Season 2, Episode 4, along with all of you. 
except Sarah, apparently. But Sarah, we will describe it to you in great detail. We'll be right back. outside making a phone call. Who are you talking to? Ants. I'm being overrun by them. At first I tried setting a little food aside for them next to the back door. Then I tried coaxing them out with some citrus oil. Now I'm trying to reason with them. A more muted episode following the fireworks of last week. This was a... What are you talking about? This was a crazy episode. It was a crazy episode, I agree. But there were less fireworks. Hold on, I just remembered the part where Brenda's mom assaults another woman in a car. A woman in broad daylight. I take it all back. They vomited in front of a Chubby's. And there was really bad tofu. And Lisa got into an epic confrontation with some ants. That's true. Oh my God, we have to talk about Lisa. All well, right. wait, let's start with... Start with Mr. Harold Mosbeck. Let's start with Mr. Harold Mosbeck. So the thing is, he just dies unexpectedly, surrounded by a lot of people, but strangers, and he's off doing his own thing. His children continue to placate his fears post-hippopotamously. <laughs> That's better than the real word. Let's just keep going. <laughs> knew it was gonna come out wrong mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i was like lean into it yeah um post, everybody knows what you meant posthumous humusly it's mm-hmm. just gonna be wrong that was my real attempt <laughs> post hummus is after dinner at lisa's house hey yo mm-hmm. that's good but yeah so he so his children continue to placate him even after he has died i agree with all of the thematic overlaps that you identified in harold's death I would like to add, however, that we also find out that Harold and his wife were in a relationship where they couldn't share their true passions with each other. (gasps) Great, Paul. And that is very much the dynamic that seems to be being explored between Nate and Brenda most explicitly, but also Brenda's parents. Right. (gasps) And... That's so good. To a certain extent... Well, I don't know how the David and Keith dynamic fits into that, but uh, it feels tangentially related in I, this one. I will say that... It's, like, Eddie doesn't show up for Keith in his time of need. Right, right. And I will say that it's his wife who's the one who really never gets to live. She's the one who exactly, makes, like, yes. the biggest sacrifice. Yeah. Patriarchy fucking once again. You know, another thing I'm thinking of right in this very moment is... Harold is also a father whose true desires and pleasures seem to have been unknown to his children. Hmm. Like they're totally mystified that he goes on these bus tours. Totally. Kind of it's kind of like Nathaniel Senior's secret room in a way. Ooh. Do we ever know nice. our fathers? I can't go there with you right now. <laughs> okay. Um 
I would like to start off, Adrian. There's a tremendous amount to discuss there's in this so episode. Much. Can we start with a somewhat large question? Mm-hmm. Why won't Nate tell Brenda about the AVM? Yo, I don't know. He's I've been thinking about this. David, he's told Claire. Why won't he tell Brenda? Because I think he's noticing that there's an obvious disconnect. Like, this episode definitely, uh, you know, suggested that they probably haven't had sex in a while. She just rolls over and goes to bed and is like, she doesn't even kiss him, you know? So I think he senses that she's definitely going through something. And maybe he doesn't want to burden her. And also, she's someone who he has contemplated having a long life with for however long that goes and maybe Mm. telling her will kind of flag the notion that someday we won't be together. That's interesting. Yes. He's a little bit stuck between two impulses. One being, I don't want to freak her out because we want to have a long life together and I don't want her to think that it might not be possible for me to have a long life. And two, also she seems to be pulling away from me, so sharing this intimate thing with her feels strange in this moment. It's been really hard for him to admit it to the people that he has told. Like, he breaks down and cries when he tells David. Yeah. And that's his first, you know, real reckoning with it. Mm -hmm. So I think that, and you know, I'm assuming he tells Lisa. Oh, that's an interesting, that's an interesting idea that you've posited. I do not think he tells Lisa. Really? Mm, I don't think so. I think Nate. Do you think he? I love you, buddy. He skirted it. But I think Nate somewhat takes advantage of Lisa's warmth and, and caring energy towards him. To kind of get what he needs without recognizing what her needs are. What her needs are. Ooh, I've never been in that relationship before. I'm so glad to hear that. Oh, you're not being serious when you said that. <laughs> not this relationship. But well, I think I hope not. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Tell me what you need. I know. Go I, get it. I'll give you anything. Give me fulfillment and success. Do and you, do you want this pad? Do you I, want this moleskin? Do you want this pen? <laughs> do you want this olive oil? What can I give you? <laughs> Um, I totally agree with you. I think that Nate has a little bit of fuckboy energy. No, a lot of it. He definitely has fuckboy energy. Adrian, there are 12 women in Seattle who yep. would freak yep. if they knew he was back in town. Yeah, he has fuckboy energy. So I think you're totally right on that. He probably didn't tell her, but he probably obfuscated. She was almost truth. literally just his shoulder to cry on. Yeah. Lap. Ugh. But what I'm saying is that, like, that time and the time he talked to David, it's brought him to tears. Mm -hmm. So he really needs to go to a place. So you think it's something about he doesn't want to cry in front of Brenda? I don't know if he doesn't want to cry in front of Brenda. I mean, he's able to cry in front of his brother. I mean, I'm not not being skeptical about that. I just hadn't thought about it that way. I don't know. Because I don't know how Brenda would, like... I think also it could be that he is very cognizant that as Brenda's mom says, Brenda has oh my been God. her. Say it. Say it. <laughs> no. I... Yes. Yes. This is it. 
think we thought of it at the same moment. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so excited. Brenda has been Billy's emotional nurse. Yes, and Nate doesn't want her to have to do that with him. Oh my God, my heart is split in half. <laughs> oh my God. That is absolutely it. That's absolutely it. And they can, it's said without being. Oh, Nate. Said, I know. Oh, buddy. <laughs> well, we solved that one. All right. All right, on to the next one. First question answered. Going. Hey, here's a fun light pivot to mm-hmm. take you out of that emotional trough. Guess what Adrian and I noticed? Don't know how many of you Six Feet Under fans are also fans of Big Love. Oh my God, I know. Guessing more than a handful. I'm really curious because I feel like nobody talks about Big Big Love. Which is a crime. Adrian and I it's- love all of you, but we're a little bit worried we started the wrong podcast. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking that our next one should be Big Love. Big Love is so... If you have not watched Big Love... I I don't want this to turn into an ad for Big Love, another very well-respected HBO series. But not well enough respected. I will agree with that. But what's-his-face is always a social worker. Yes. So the actor who plays Claire's therapist, social worker, guidance counselor... Is also a a therapist or a social worker at a girls' rescue center. Yes. in Big Love. In Utah. I think that he just had like a career pivot. Which one came out first? Six Feet Under came out first. So he probably was like, he probably noticed that Claire was really troubled. So he pivoted and wanted to focus more intently on women's issues and decided <laughs> to work at a girls rehabilitation center, dash rescue center in Utah. Don't you love imagining that the actor who played Claire's guidance counselor and the social worker in Big Love went to his agent after Big Love wrapped and was like, please, whatever you do, <laughs> don't submit me for any more dark-haired, tender-eyed social workers yep, who help absolutely. troubled teenage girls. Absolutely. Hey, we all fall in. We're all typecasted. <laughs> we all are. And he's really good at it. He's really good at it. That scene between him and Claire where he says to her, do you want to break something? Go ahead. Do it. I know. It's fine. Oh, I love Feel your that. feelings. That was a good scene. Adrian Bain. Here's a thought I had during the scene with Keith and his mom, mm. where the mom is preparing for her husband's going to have surgery and Taylor is going to be in Keith's care for a little while. Had we ever seen a Keith scene with no David context. I was trying to remember and I can't in this moment. I think that was the first time we ever saw a scene where it's like, this is just a scene from Keith's life that does not have anything to do with David. Oh wow, this is the David test. Right. Instead of the, what is it, Bechamel? Bechdel test. Bechdel test. But the Bechamel test? Bechamel test. A very tasty exam that's an all-day event because <laughs> it's heavy it's a heavy cream sauce indeed so you gotta wait between servings you're Anyways. not getting that for dessert at least oh house. god um yeah i think so i think they are really fleshing out keith's character in that instance and do you want to talk about taylor let's talk about taylor i don't even know what to say or where to start other than like i was obviously taken aback with the way that she spoke to David, but I was like, 
this is her normal. Like she's talking to him as if it's totally normal. And it's also like her mom has obviously talked to her like that. And David talks to her like an adult. Yeah. Which we don't realize the significance of until, the until a few scenes later when she yeah. says that Eddie does not do that. Yeah. I loved the scene of them on the stairs. That I was thought a that great was scene. really beautiful and like really humanizing. And it's just really interesting to see David around children. You yeah. know, like I don't really put those two things together. And not because he's gay, but he's just like such an uptight, like. I don't know. There there are some people, I think Ruth kind of said it, where it's like there are some people who just don't know how to interact with children. I'm so glad you brought that and up. And I think I made the assumption that David was one of those people. And I'm really glad that he broke my expectation and that mm-hmm. he was like kind of playful and silly and just allowed her to be herself. He didn't really tell her. It wasn't until Ruth was in the room where he was like fucking shape up a little bit but But then he clowns around with her after ruth turns her back i know i loved that and she has food in her mouth and he laughs and then shares a conspiratorial look with her i know i loved that did you think when ruth said some people just don't know how to talk to children that she was talking about herself i don't know because i kind of got this idea that ruth wanted to connect with her Mm -hmm. and then was like really put off by Taylor's crudeness, which is like, I don't think we've heard. Oh, no, we've heard Ruth swear plenty. But I guess like she hasn't been more creative than the, you know, fuck shit. Yeah. You know, the common swear words. And so like and I think that her uncomfortableness with David's sexuality flared up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say uncomfortableness, but like she's trying really hard to like be supportive, which I think is wonderful. But I think there is this seed in her still that is like, it's inappropriate. This goes back to me. So I don't know. Yeah. This goes back to me to the hose scene where she sprays the hose at the guy leaving. Yeah. That impulse is still there. Apartment. There's something about her that wants it to go away a little bit and doesn't, doesn't like that it's there. And I think she accepts it conceptually, but she has not emotionally I agree with that. Come to that's, terms with that's that. That's a really good way of putting it. And I actually don't think that Taylor has any issue with Keith, her uncle, being gay. Like, I don't. I didn't get no, any sense I don't that think she so. was like, she said whatever that, like, kind of slur was. It was a, a handful of them. And she just said it in a way that, like, a child says it and doesn't really understand what she's saying. Yeah. I don't think she understood that what she was saying was offensive to a group of people. Um, I get the sense with Taylor that... I don't think it was hateful the way that Ruth said it. She's a kid and she likes words that get reactions. Yeah, exactly. And she has noticed that those words get a reaction when her mom or her grandmother say them. And so she was repeating them to see what the reaction would be. Totally. Did you like the scene when... Brenda said to Nate, I hate when you floss in front of me whilst she was urinating in front of him. Yeah, I loved that. That was funny. That was hilarious. But also that just was like so, I get it, but it was just so dismissive. And like if they had, if their dynamic was a little bit healthier or loving in this moment, then 
then I think I would have thought it was funnier, but I knew that she was just like dismissing him. Also, they are around. I have a theory that between six and eight months is when couples break up. That's Say like a, more. That's like a test. That's like a time where you realize how much time you've put into somebody. And it's a lot of time. Six months, seven months. That's a lot of time. And that's kind of when people have their come to Jesus moment. And they're like, is this really working out? Is this really why? Is it? And like that, that cycle of the honeymoon phase is kind of over. And that cycle of questioning begins in the way that like the green thing, like I didn't know about the green thing. This mm-hmm. is kind of my own personal just like pattern recognition. So it could just be me. No, no. I mean, that's definitely a period of time after which it's like, okay, this is starting to become a very serious part of my life. If you go any further, then it's like, all right, you're like in it. Do I actually want to do this with this person? Yeah. Yeah. And Brenda is clearly, I mean, I'm glad that we, we, we saw the scene of her, fantasizing in the bathtub Ugh, because I loved that because we've been on this Brenda's in crisis Brenda doesn't know what she wants Brenda doesn't know what to do train mm-hmm. for several episodes now mm-hmm. and it, it's starting to feel to me a little bit like we we need to know like Brenda needs to get to a breaking point here like something needs to happen yeah but to that end I wondered what you thought about the imagery of her being in the bathtub uh-huh. right before she has this fantasy and being underwater and coming up out of the water uh. almost as though she had just been baptized anew. <laughs> Your face right now. What do you think? Tell me everything. I, I don't think I can say anything more than that perfect encapsulation, sweetheart. Baptized into a new awareness of herself. Mm-hmm. A new sexual awakening. Mm-hmm. That was also very funny. I love that Brenda is like very in her body and the way that that actress or the way that at least she's written is very like, I pee, I'm going to orgasm inside of this. You know, she really uses her body a lot. And I like that. Yes, and um, she does body work. And she does body work. For a living. And she has a new friend who is a... Who does a different kind of body work. Who does a different kind of body work. She's a lady of the night. <laughs> I have not heard that expression since 1924. Oh, I love... I think lady of the night is... Ugh, I love that. I actually don't know if it's insulting, and that's definitely not what I mean. I don't mean. either. Um, I apologize. I don't. I came across. That. I I think that it's just like the it. I was about to say nicest way of saying it. I just think that prostitute is obviously such a pejorative. Like it is a profession, but it is also, you know, it's a line of work. But it's it's also laden with a lot of hate and misogyny in its own way. So I just always feel like Lady of the Night is just very like mm, she's sitting in a cocktail bar and there's you an know, element of mystique. There's an element of mystique, and it's also an element of like. There's a power behind it. It's a very much like I am in control of right. what is happening, and I know the score. But it seems likely, and again, catchphrase, I don't remember, but it seems likely that there's more to come with that character. Oh, I don't think they would yeah. just have her waltz into the plot and then leave. Well, it's interesting abruptly. that, right, she waltzes into the plot, and she's like, oh, my God, you've cleared my sinuses. And which there was I don't know. Maybe I was reading into it. But I felt like there was a little bit of like, I don't know, flirtation there. Oh, I think um, very much so. 
But Brenda says, do you want to stay for a right. cup of tea? Right. Eyebrow raise. Eyebrow raise, eyebrow raise. And I, so I think that that's interesting because Brenda was definitely titillated when she found out what her client's line of work was. And, and then she has this very intense sexual fantasy. So I feel like something is warming up. Well, let's around that. Let's stay with this for a second. And then are we leading it to the mom? Yes. Ugh. Because you mind melt. Continue. You said you pointed out that the way they write Brenda, you're right. It, it's so great that she's so in her body. Mm-hmm. And yet she is not in touch mm. very closely. We have detected all along that she's not super in touch with her own psychology but she's looking to try to make that connection. She spent so much time in her life trying to outgame yeah. other people into in in their attempts to know her. But she does not seem to know herself super well. Mm-hmm. And her mom totally calls her out on it. Yeah, let's talk about the mom scene. Let's talk about the mom scene. I don't know. I think that it was really interesting that the conversation that they had, the one that was actually kind of meaningful, was... Another lens of sexuality of being like, I have a, I am the Margaret is a married woman, but she has augmented the rules of marriage life for her and her husband. I loved the rules. No holidays, no, (laughs) no hotel over $300, but none over 75. Like that was none under 75, under 75. That was so fucking funny. Yeah. And also, yeah, you're right. Classy. Come on. You know, <laughs> um, you don't want to get bed bugs and crabs in the same setting. Or herpes, apparently. From or burn. herpes. Yeah, I know. So, so yeah, so I thought that that was, that was really interesting. And that was also Brenda being like, oh, okay. Like, that was also another little awakening for her, if we want to keep on that theme. What did you think? I thought it was really interesting after Brenda slaps her mom and gets out of the car. I liked or was intrigued, I should say, by the fact that Margaret, after she takes a moment to recover from the fact that Brenda walks away, it's like we almost see her have this moment of relief. Like I finally said what I have been wanting to say to Brenda for a long time. Mm -hmm. It, It was very nuanced. It wasn't just... Oh, I'm so upset my daughter right. you know, has just been so violent and, and hateful towards me. It it seemed a little bit like she has been wanting to tell Brenda that she thinks about her in this way, that she needs to confront her demons for a long time, and she finally got to set it and that was say it, and that was somehow a source of relief for her. Because I think she's right. Also, car window down. What? In the husband's car. Yeah. That's interesting. That's. That's interesting. That's a small town move. And mm-hmm. that's fucking bold if you are borrowing a car. Yeah. To that just is, leave the passenger side window down. Exactly. That just kind of shows. And like her shit is everywhere. Like that just definitely shows. I don't know. What does that show? Well, that, actually, this is a very interesting point, Adrian, because. Margaret's she's like disregarding the rules. Mm. Margaret's mm-hmm. thing about this woman is that it burn is being sloppy. Yeah. With the rules. Ugh. And so she, this woman is kind of 
in Margaret's mind, manifesting that sloppiness by leaving her scrunchie, leaving the cigarettes on the windshield. Perhaps the window is the same thing. Can I say something about that, though? Yeah. I really thought it was interesting. There was like a little bit of a rhyme with the scene with Claire and her guidance counselor that the guidance counselor says, if what you're feeling is like you need to break something, go ahead and break something. And Margaret tells Brenda that she's just going to go over there and she's just going to have a conversation. She's going to humanize. She's going to personalize and humanize the situation. Yeah. And then she realizes that what she really wants to do is wring this poor lady's neck. That's so good. And she realizes that that's what she actually needs to let out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I just thought that was a kind of interesting yeah, parallel interesting between bookend. those two scenes. Hmm. Okay, Adrian. As our final topic of conversation this evening. Great. We have to talk about Lisa. What do we think about Lisa besides the fact... <sighs> That as I think we both noticed, shout out to Tracy, Lisa is wearing, wearing green. Green. Oh, because she's so good. horns for that Nate. I know. I feel so bad for Lisa. I'm curious if we will see in later episodes whether or not Nate starts reconsidering his relationship with Brenda, because I think he's seeing that like, oh, this is what it feels like to be in a long term relationship, and like. It is obviously easier, quotes, to just kind of like hump and dump, you know? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) One more time? You know, to just like have a quickie, but it's like... No, no. What was it that you said? (laughs) I just want to flag that we have gone from the classiest euphemism, which is (laughs) woman of the night or lady of the night. Two, let me have you repeat it. <laughs> one more time from Adrian Bain, please. <laughs> Give it to me one more time. No. And if we could just have it one more time, <laughs> that would be great. Take two and action. A hump and dump. Oh my God. <laughs> I have never heard that. I'm changed forever. Well, you've never heard that or are you just surprised that I'm saying it? No, I've never heard. <laughs> this is my green M&M's moment. Oh I've never heard hump and dump. <laughs> Crude. No matter how much, <laughs> no matter how much green Eminem energy there has been in a conversation, I've never heard hump also, and dump. Also, Sam is wearing green right now. Read between the lines. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Um, it's way easier to just have casual sex. Sure. That's how Nate has orchestrated all of his relationships, his previous relationships, if you even want to call them that. But also Lisa is such a foil to Brenda because she is so light and she is so caring and nurturing and is like actually there for Nate. So I'm really curious. I don't think that it's great that he has definitely emotionally, not manipulated her, but he's definitely taken advantage of her kindness and I loved the ant scene. I oh thought God. that was amazing. Um, I'm just trying to rationalize with them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel really, I feel, I feel kind of bad for her. I don't know if I feel bad for her because she does say like, my life is really full, but I don't think that Nate would ever put her in that love category for some reason you know i like her presence in the show because i think 
she allows us to see the uglier side of Nate hmm. in the sense that like the person Nate was before he came home hmm. and connected with his, his real, as they talk about it in this episode, spiritual calling hmm. of, of being a funeral director. And we see the part of him that was callous with other people's emotions ha- had not yet maybe begun to take seriously his responsibility to, to think about other people's needs mm at least in his romantic relationships. And we see it and it's, it's an ugly side of him, the side of him that is so willing to accept her kindness and not recognize what she so obviously wants from him Mm -hmm. and just, you know, get what he needs from it, whether it's sexual pleasure or being able to cry and not even tell her what he's crying about. But also so true. I love Lisa because unlike all of the members of the Fisher family who are it, like their dilemma in every episode is like, but who am I? Who am I supposed to be? <laughs> Lisa totally knows who she is. I That's so true. She is a vegan, co-op working, cook, chef, chef lady with strong beliefs. And a fucking dope house in Seattle. An awesome house. A strong belief that animals should not be harmed Mm -hmm. for the benefit of humanity. Mm -hmm. And she's so, and she loves Nate and she's not going to apologize for it. I know. And she's not going to shy away from telling his sister about it, which is a, I mean, in one way it's a strange move, but in another way it's like, I know you've noticed this, so let's just talk about it. I know I, know I just I know I just met you, but you're the sister of the man I love. I'm gonna give you a huge hug, even though we've never spoken. I know that's so interesting. She has so few she has no inhibitions mm-hmm. about her spirit. Is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it it's less jarring for Nate because his relationship with her is more complicated. But for Claire, it's like Who is what this lady? Is that? Mm-hmm. I'd love to try. I want more of her. Well, We'll see if you get your wish. Okay. Thank you, folks, for listening to Fisher Family Ghosts. We love all of you so much and appreciate you. We love hearing your emails. If you would like to write into the show, you can do that at ffg at walt.fm. We accept any and all manner of emails, complaints, Mm -hmm. praise. Mm -hmm. Now, Adrian Bain, in an email at the beginning of this episode, we learned about how excellent your other podcast is. Would you like to remind people where they can find it? Absolutely. I am currently working on another like COVID segment. If any of you have scrolled through my previous episodes, I did a little COVID segment last spring. I'm kind of closing that loop with the road trip that we just took so you will hear a different side of mine and Sam's relationship and so it is a travel podcast it is called Strangers Abroad and you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, follow my Instagram at Strangers Abroad Podcast and you can also take a listen and rate and review there. For my part, I would love it if you, I know I say this every episode, but I would particularly love it this week if you would listen to the new episode of Family Ghosts. It's so cool. It's called Still Close, and it is a very, very personal episode 
about my visit to a spiritualist medium who gave me a reading in which I was visited by one of my ancestors. And it was a very significant experience. In a cabin that was also haunted. Yes, this is true. That's some bonus content. That's some bonus con. That show is called Family Ghosts. This show is called Fisher Family Ghosts. It's the one you're listening to, and we appreciate you very much. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next week.